Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Mary. Welcome to Chatterbox Box, an F1 podcast. Box Box. Welcome back to Chatterbox Box, where Emily and I talk and giggle about all things F1. Yes, and Formula One is back. The 2024 season has officially commenced, and we are excited to talk about it. I am so excited. I don't think that there was too much in terms of recent news, but I did want to highlight the fact that Business Insider had a very awesome article on how women are changing the F1 fandom, and it even features a handful of content creators that we are somewhat familiar with, Neha Sridhar, Irene Sue, and Bella Jung. Okay, we love that. Love to see women in motorsports getting their day and getting their flowers. Like, okay, we love that. I think Rise of the Fangirl is going to be great for this sport. And I believe I saw a statistic that it was almost half of people tuning in to, I think, preseason testing were women. So that's really cool. That is awesome. I think the most recent statistic I know about is that 40% of F1 viewers are women. So it sounds like we are here to stay. We are thriving. If the majority of the fandom are females, that is revenue because you know we are purchasing merch on merch on merch. That is so true. And I hope the team start making more merch geared towards women because a lot of it is just designed for men most of it (laughs) so it would be nice to have one that fits more of like a typical female silhouette and then we don't have to keep only going to etsy yes and cuter designs just cuter designs please (laughs) bring in some pink yes please we're talking to you alpine we're talking about pink camo We haven't let it go. (laughs) I think most of the news this week is actually just about the Bahrain GP, which is, you know, what we mostly wanted to talk about this week. So that is super cool and we can get on into it. Absolutely. So what are your initial thoughts on the Bahrain race? Disappointing. (laughs) We (laughs) took a little like hour break in between the race and now to record, just like get ourselves together and get ready. And I still feel disappointed. I think I really let myself feed into the delusion that there would be a more competitive season this year. And, you know, I know it's too early to say it was just the first race. Maybe things will turn around. But watching Max win with like a 20 second lead was painful, especially for us because we're not Red Bull fans at all. So maybe a win for the Red Bull fans today, but it's a tough day to be Ferrari girlies, Mercedes girlies, any other team on the great girlies. Absolutely. I think the delusion era has unfortunately come to a very bittersweet end. I will say, though, if that was any other driver, any other team with a 20 second um, advancement, then 
I would be here for it. Like I would wholeheartedly support that. So I am happy for the Red Bull fans. I'm happy for the Max fans. But at this moment in time, I'm just entirely bummed out. Yeah, you know, I gotta say, I think even the Red Bull fans are bored. (laughs) I was talking to one of my friends after the race who is a big Red Bull fan, and even he was like, I don't know if I want to watch this season, if it's just Red Bull after Red Bull after Red Bull, like, bring back the competition. So... I am crossing my fingers because I really fed into the free practice delusion. Like there was no Red Bull with fastest paced in free practice. I know that's common. Like typically they hold out. They don't really show like what they're working with. And yeah, I I fell for it. (laughs) I tried very hard not to fall for it, but I too fell for it. I love the fact that if Red Bull was not a team in Formula One, we would have gotten a 1-2 from Ferrari with Carlos being P1. (laughs) He would have gotten pole and Charles, my favorite driver ever, would have gotten P2. And you know what? That is the belief that I am kind of looking at. You know what? That's so real. I think I was like messaging you saying I was really thinking about like putting duct tape across the TV where the P1 spot is on the leaderboard (laughs) so I can just pretend he's not there. Also, something I noticed for me watching the race and then we'll go back and talk about like quality and any other FP takes that we have. But because we watched Drive to Survive so recently, I kind of wish that they like edited the races like a Drive to Survive episode with more like drama (laughs) because I know there was drama going on like in the back I feel like we never really got the full view of what happened in lap one and then the stuff with Danny and Yuki which I'm sure we'll talk about later but yeah I felt like it was a lot of just like zooming into Max being in first place and I was like okay we get it like this is not going to be an exciting thing to watch no one's going to overtake him with him being like 20 seconds away just go show me the midfield show me the back. Like, I don't even want to watch this anymore. (laughs) Yeah, for real. I think there was a lot more action towards like midfield and towards the back. I found Mm -hmm. myself kind of looking towards the bottom. I saw Logan down there. I was very sad. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more. But overall, it wasn't much of an exciting race. And I wish it was just a little bit more competitive, especially just the teaser we got with qualifying. It seemed like everyone had a really good pace. Everyone was within a second of one another, which was so exciting. I was crossing my fingers, crossing my toes for a little bit of excitement. And unfortunately, that just did not happen during race. Yeah, let's talk more about Quali because I agree with you. I think Quali was actually quite exciting. I think this is a hot take, but I typically like Quali a little bit more than the race because it feels more fair. I think a lot of these cars can hold up against the Red Bull over a shorter period of time. So it feels more competitive in Quali than it does in the actual race where they have to sustain the pace for the entire race. Because watching Quali, they were all pretty even. Like, it wasn't any outrageous gaps between people. 
And we had a really, really exciting starting grid, I think. Like, Max was first, but I was like, okay, whatever. Because then we had Charles in second, mm-hmm. George in third, Carlos in fourth, Checo was all the way down in fifth. And then we had Alonzo, Norris, Piastri, Hamilton, Hulkenberg as our top ten. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of diversity in like diversity in terms of teams in the top 10. There's good variety here. It feels, you know, pretty even. It's not just like Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, you know, like it was more like everybody's kind of spread out and it felt like there actually might be a chance. So I even found myself watching Quali like yelling at the TV a few times, which is not my vibe. So I really enjoyed Quali. That was a highlight of the race weekend for me. <laughs> Quality was amazing. The fact that Hulkenberg was in top 10, I was at work, unfortunately. But I like once I saw that result, I was like, yes, I was so hyped just seeing how like Quali just had like a different type of vibe. I was totally there to support it. Loved seeing kind of like my favorite teams like Ferrari, McLaren, and even Aston Martin like be up there. And I think overall, like it was pretty surprising for me. Like I really fully enjoyed it. And looking at kind of like the qualifying numbers, like they literally were all within a second of each other. So I think Max did a 129. 179 and then Pierre Gasly who was last did a 130 958 so it was literally two seconds of a difference Mm -hmm. like not even so they're they were all very close to each other yeah and there were many points where Charles was faster in like one sector compared to Max there was some where George was faster in some sectors compared to Max. So I actually really thought leaving Quali that we were going to have a more competitive race because Quali felt very close. Like there was a while I wasn't even sure if Max was going to get pole position. Mm-hmm. Maybe again, that might just be my delusion, but <laughs> it didn't seem like clear cut, like, oh, obviously Max is going to get first. So I was shook. Something else that shook me in Quali was the performance of the Alpines what happened like (laughs) what's going on with their car is this you know I thought that they were saving weight by having a carbon fiber car and not giving us pink camo but they're still really slow so they should have just given us the pink camo like what is going on with them have you looked into this at all I actually haven't I know like them being overweight without any additional like stickers on their livery was extremely shocking to me. I didn't really understand it. And I don't know, like I was kind of feeding into, is this karma? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it it felt like karma (laughs) because (laughs) I thought that they were really trying to reserve weight in any possible way. And I was expecting a little bit better of a performance. So that is unfortunate for them. I will say I love the shade of pink that they chose for like the radio messages when it pops up. I was like, oh, <laughs> the memes about that are so funny. It's like cute little pink, like heart emojis and flower emojis, like surrounding text that says the car sucks. <laughs> and it's, it's 
so funny. So I hope things turn around for them. But it does feel a little bit like karma. I'm just saying. I agree. Bruno, I'm curious if you have any regrets taking over for Team Principal. Yeah, what do you think Otmar was doing? Like watching the race? Do you think he was like... If he was watching, which like I imagine he is because you don't just leave Formula One, you will always kind of have Formula One in your back pocket. He's probably laughing. He's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. That's why it's a hard job. Yeah, yeah. Like, "Mm, you sure you want this job, Bruno? Mm -hmm. So justice for Otmar, justice for the pink camo. Justice for them both. Sucks to suck, but like, sorry, not sorry. Although for SD Bestie, I am truly sorry. I hope they are able to fix their car and that they can actually compete with the rest of the grid. Yeah, I will say I felt that Esteban took it really well. There was a radio message with him where he said something along the lines of like, it's okay, like I trust you guys, like we'll get back on track. And I thought that was really sweet because... You know a lot of these drivers would be like, fuck you guys, this is terrible, like, fix the car. So I continue to wonder why people hate SD Bestie, because that was such a nice radio message to the team, and just doesn't seem consistent with the public opinion of him. Yeah, absolutely. Especially considering someone like Max, who was doing pretty well, like, on the opposite side of the grid, he was like, this sucks, everything sucks, and then he actually got pulled, and he was like sorry guys thank you mm-hmm. appreciate mm-hmm. you like it's just a very stark difference between max and esteban which i really yeah. appreciate one thing about max he's gonna complain he will find something to complain about which is like somewhat relatable but also like shut up man <laughs> <laughs> like i would definitely <laughs> complain if i was in his position but at the moment i'm going to be a straight up hater like you can take <laughs> your complaints and your pole position back home and like shut your mouth i literally say this every single conversation i have about max but there is no better way to describe him than that he is the person in your class who has a hundred percent and is asking for extra credit and complaining that there is no extra credit or complaining that he got a point off on something because now he only has a 99.99 and it's just like oh my god shut up like if this man was my coworker or like my classmate i think i would lose my mind <laughs> you are so right i don't think i would love working with him obviously like if we are in a competitive field i would love to have him so that like our team can win but i would honestly just hate him in general I guess hate is a strong word but I would definitely dislike every time he opened his mouth because I'd be like oh my god Mm -hmm. please shut up yes and I felt it so hard in the race not to jump ahead to the race but seeing him 20 seconds ahead also going for fastest lap I was like do you need every point like do you really need every single like possible point you can get like can somebody else have a moment like please 
Yeah, I actually don't have anything else about qualifying. So if we do want to just jump into the race, I'm more than happy to do that. I loved the fact that he was trying to go for fastest lap. He did get fastest lap. And yet the lap record at Bahrain still stands with Della Rosa in 2005 at 131.00. 447 so max was over a second slower Hmm. period can we get della rosa back on the grid like (laughs) (laughs) we need you (laughs) someone take down max please (laughs) yeah so the race i started optimistic started excited started feeling like it's Christmas morning. Like, this is amazing. And just slowly descended into despair. (laughs) (laughs) So funny because our group chat was so active at the beginning of the race. And by the end, it was just like me, you, and like one other person just like (laughs) chugging along. A lot of people just stopped watching halfway through the race. Oh my gosh. One of our like discord mates, they were like, yeah, I cleaned my entire kitchen. Like I even like went and like (laughs) wiped my stainless steel fridge. Like I went in the crevices. I was like, oh, okay. That's awesome. And she's like, yeah, I was very productive during this race. What happened? And like nothing had changed. (laughs) Yeah, it was it was weird, though, because I do feel like there was some interesting things going on in the midfield and in the back that was just like not really being covered as much as I would have liked. Or maybe I'm just delusionally hoping that was the case. I still don't really understand what happened in the first lap. It, It looked like chaos in the background. I think Magnuson's car was damaged. I believe. And then also, what happened with Logan? I was so confused. I think my notes started at lap 11, because that's when Mm -hmm. I actually started getting my bearings straight. So it sounded like Logan was having issues with his brakes, which sounds like everyone else kind of struggled with their brakes as well, especially kind of around the turns and stuff. I know like Charles was also struggling with his brakes and like his steering. But yeah, I... Seeing Logan go from like 18th all the way down to 20th and then like at the very end, like his results were he was two laps behind. I Mm -hmm. was so sad for him. I was rooting for him and I'm still going to root for him because I want him to do really well. But it was really nice to kind of hear everyone on like his team radio just encouraging him and trying to push him through to the to the end and it was just really nice to hear yeah logan was doing really well he, he actually overtook danny for a minute in the beginning of the race and i was like i don't even know if i should be happy because i love danny <laughs> but i'm growing to love logan so i don't even know how to feel at this moment <laughs> and then yeah it seemed like major car issues so i'm proud of him that he finished the race we didn't have any dnfs so that was really great hoping he has a better race next week for sure because i would have loved to have seen like how the rest of his way, his race went if it had continued how it was going prior to the car issue. Oh, absolutely. And I love the fact that you brought up the fact that no one DNF'd during this race, mm-hmm. because in comparison to last year, we had three DNFs starting yeah. with Ocon, 
um, Leclerc and Piastri. So I think this was a very successful race in comparison. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that Piastri DNF'd in his first ever race. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, <laughs> I was so like, sad. oh. Oh, that's so sad. I also think it was so interesting to think, like, we don't have any rookies this year. It was nobody's first race. That's true. Last year when it was, you know, Oscar's rookie race, he qualified in 18th. And this year he qualified in 8th. So moved up 10 whole spots in just a year of work. Like, is this the employee of the year? Employee with the most growth? Like, okay, Oscar, good for you. I'm so happy for Oscar. I think it it like makes sense for the McLaren team to continue to embrace Oscar and nurture his growth. It honestly like looks like he's going to continue doing better and better, especially as he gains a little bit more confidence behind the car. And yeah, it just sounds like this is everything that you could ever dream of as a driver in Formula One. Yeah, which is so exciting. I hope to see the McLarens continue to do well this season. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, The other thing that I kind of wanted to bring up, basically because it was really shocking, on top of Logan's brake issues, Charles and Carlos battling around lap 11. I want to know if there were any like team radios happening at that time I don't think I caught anything but it was just it felt like Monza all over again I was so afraid that they were going to crash into each other and that one of them was going to DNF but it seemed like it all kind of resolved itself I'm so happy that just based on the strategy that it made more sense for Carlos to continue on mostly because Charles was struggling with braking and steering and it just wasn't the car that he really wanted and the experience that he really wanted during that race yeah I think we are beginning to see the beginning of what we predicted with the Carlos Sainz villain era because He seemed like he was driving with a vengeance today. Like, he was hustling. I'm glad he got driver of the day. I was surprised at the little battle it out moment that they were having in lap 11 as well. I was not expecting that. I kind of just expected that this year Ferrari would just prioritize Charles because Carlos is out the door. So I was happy to see that they seemed to be getting a little bit more of a fair treatment something that always confuses me about f1 is when two drivers will be in the same car and be having a completely different experience i don't know if they do tweak each individual car to the driver specifically i've never really looked enough into it to know but i was curious how carlos was having such a good race and Charles was like really struggling so many radio messages about the brakes and the car and i was like oh this is not looking good. <laughs> yeah, so I'm currently reading a book called How to Build a Car by Adrian Newey, supposedly a really awesome Formula One book to get yourself started. But in that book, I actually just read that each of the drivers are able to kind of tweak their cars specific to their driving style. Obviously, the cars themselves are very similar in how it's designed, but with these little kind of like parameters that they can tweak, it really kind of supports how the driver kind of like 
it like it kind of supports the driver's strengths rather than their weaknesses. So it is kind of interesting to see that Carlos was it seemed very flawless for him. That experience went so well. And with Charles, poor guy, he just kept locking up and all of that. It obviously like did not go in his favor. Yeah, because I think on the other hand with Mercedes, we got more of the result that I was expecting with it seemed prioritizing George mm-hmm. over Lewis. I don't know if that was a intentional prioritization or just a matter of how the qualifying results played out, but that's kind of how I expected Ferrari to be this year with like one driver doing significantly better just due to that being more of a priority for the team. So I'm interested to see if this dynamic continues on into the rest of the season. Yeah, that would be super exciting to see. I am here for the start of Carlos's villain era, though. The fact that Carlos was able to overtake George by lap 18, I was like, as much as I love George, I love Carlos even more. I even like, I support the villain era even like that much more because I want him to do well. And I definitely want everyone to be like, oh yeah, like I don't understand why Carlos was ignored. I love Lewis as well. But, you know, I am here for a Carlos storyline. Yes, I love it. I love it. I was closely monitoring Carlos time compared to Checo's time and Carlos was going a little bit faster lap by lap. So I really thought that he would pass Checo again, probably the delusion, but I was expecting a repeat of Vegas where Charles really took his time and kind of trailed Checo and waited for Checo to make a mistake and then overtook him. I thought we were going to see that again with Carlos. I think by the end, his pace dropped a little bit and there was just a little bit too much of a gap for him to be able to pull that off. But that would have been really exciting. And, you know, I'm still happy for a P3 from Carlos. We'll take it. Absolutely. I love that. I support him. I am here for it. But Saudi Arabia, I am hoping for a poll for Carlos. Yes, I would love that. I really would love a poll for any other person on the grid other than Max. I'd even take Checo at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I also really want to talk about Valtteri's pit stop. That was horrible. I don't think I've ever seen one that bad in the time that I've been watching. Yeah, 52.4 seconds. And the fact that they originally chose the wrong tire, I was so sad for Valtteri. And I heard that this wasn't the first time that it's happened to him either. Yeah, Valtteri almost or maybe equally or possibly even more like has worse luck than Charles. I think we just haven't seen it as much, this only being like our first full season. And I also felt so bad that after that long of a pit stop, he comes back onto the track and he's still ahead of Logan. I don't think I realized how far behind Logan got pushed with those car issues. And I was like, oh, wow, that hurts for Logan. Yeah, I was definitely sad for Botas when I saw that there was still a gap between like Logan and Valtteri. I was like, Oh, geez. Oh, but our boy Logan hustled like a true American. Mm. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) 
I think the race got really very boring from like lap 38 to near the end. There was a little bit of hope of Carlos overtaking Checo that started to fade a little bit. And then for some reason in the last six laps, we get some pretty serious drama between Yuki and Daniel at RB. I wish they covered it more because they were kind of going back and forth between that in the back and then Max was about to win. So they kept like panning back to Max and I wish they just kept the camera on that the whole time. But that was very intense. Yeah, I was watching the post-race show and the broadcasters were essentially asking Danny like what happened during that time. And I think he took it very diplomatically. There was still a, a, a hint of sassiness but essentially it sounded like at vcarb they knew what the strategy was and if at any given point the time was to come they were going to do a driver swap so it sounds like yuki was aware of it it just kind of took him by surprise because it was lap 52 out of 57 so they were almost near the end it didn't really make sense but you know if you're like going to try and push the car get a couple more like touch points data points to be able to improve for the next race and the future races I understand the strategy there but it was so sassy and then like after he let it happen I think they lingered on for more laps than was necessary Mm -hmm. um Yuki was essentially like yeah thanks guys I appreciate it and it was just so sassy I think you caught it too like at the very end when everyone had completed the race and they were just in a cool down lap Yuki overtook Danny (laughs) and for what it was literally like it wasn't a point winning position it was literally 12th place Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people are very torn on this, actually, very torn on whether Yuki's in the right or Daniel's in the right. I think the intention there, it, it was a little weird to me because I was like, why are they doing all this for P12? Like, mm-hmm. I think the intention there was that P12, P11, P10 was so close that there was a chance that they could have gotten into P10 and get points. With Danny being on softs, I think Yuki was on hards. So it made more sense to let Danny pass. But Yuki fought it for a little bit too long and they lost the window of opportunity. So then by the time he finally does let Daniel pass, they lost their moment and he's not going to be able to overtake K-Mag because K-Mag had DRS from Joe Guan Yu and it was just not going to happen. Whereas like if Yuki followed the team order when they said... They probably would have gotten in the points, maybe, or at least in 11th. So that was a little frustrating to watch. I do also see that they could have told Yuki this like three laps before and given him a little bit more of a heads up. It seemed like they wanted an instant, like let him in front of you right now, which I can imagine is hard to switch to when there's like adrenaline, you're racing, you're trying to overtake the person in front of you. And now you're like 
rapidly getting this thrown at you. I struggle with Yuki. I really do because I just feel like he's been in the sport long enough that he shouldn't still be having these really petty radio messages. The first one, I was like, that's kind of funny. And then it drug out so much that I was like, Yuki, let it go. Please let it go. It's becoming like bad sportsmanship kind of vibe. Um, You heard Danny, on the other hand, on his radio expressing a little bit of annoyance and then you hear him like stop himself and he's like we'll talk about it later like let me not publicly (laughs) make myself or the team or Yuki look bad and he holds himself in I just feel that Yuki should have his temper a little bit under control (laughs) by now and then I watched the footage like of Danny's camera in the cool down lap and I was like, Yuki, what are you doing? He like drove in front of him to overtake him, but then also kind of like brake checked him almost. Oh my God. And like stopped. And then he like drove in front of him again. And I was just like, what are you doing? Like the race is over. Neither of you got points. This clearly feels like a big miscommunication thing. Maybe the team should have said something sooner. It was very far into the end of the race, whatever, but... I don't know. It, it was really off-putting for me towards Yuki, personally. I don't know how he handled it after the race. And I try to give these drivers grace because I know your adrenaline is pumping and you are on edge and it's hard to react perfectly in any given situation. But it just felt like bad like sportsmanship, bad team energy to me. I did not like that whole scenario. <laughs> yeah, when Danny was given the chance, I think the gap at one point was like 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5 mm-hmm. seconds away. So he really did have a good shot at overtaking K-Mag. It was just a matter of like, oh, there's literally like three more laps left mm-hmm. um, and there might not be a possibility to do so. I think even during like Danny's interview, he really tried to hold back in trying to explain the situation and he held back his frustration. Overall, uh, I think Danny was like, yeah, I would just call that immaturity. Like, obviously we had talked about this and it's always like part of our strategy. So I'm not really sure why Yuki was really that upset in that moment. Like, yeah, you can definitely see the difference of like Danny being a little bit more mature, holding back what is like, I would be 100% frustrated too. And then like Yuki just like left and right just being so outwardly upset so outwardly petty it it was unfortunately a very bad look yeah I'll give Yuki some grace because I can imagine it's really hard to be Danny's teammate because Danny is I would say probably like the most loved F1 driver by the fans I don't know if everyone would say like he's the best driver but he's pretty well liked I don't know anyone who's like, oh, I hate Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> like, people tend to really like him. <laughs> yeah. I think people are really advocating for him to get Checo's seat if Checo gets bumped out over Yuki. And I feel that must be really hard for Yuki because he's been on RB, AlphaTauri, whatever, for a little bit longer and may feel that he deserves it a little bit more. So maybe this moment brought that out in him of... Of course, like now Daniel gets to pass me too. I'm sure it is frustrating, but I hope that he works just on his PR a little bit more because I can imagine that this kind of behavior and the lashing out 
may impact his career. Yeah, for sure. I think that's basically all I had to say about the race itself. There were a handful of drivers that really impressed me. The one thing that was like really funny before I get into the drivers that were impressive outside of my Carlos standing is Checo screaming to his engineer, like, shout, you need to shout. Like, I guess, like, sometimes with headsets, it's very difficult to hear unless, like, it's close to your mouth and, like, you have to speak up. So, yeah, I, I'm i just curious what the engineer was saying, like, after the fact to, like, Checo's aggression. Like, I'm trying, yeah. God. Like, I'm trying, my guy. <laughs> I think I read there was an issue with the radio, so it was, like, muffled. And that's why he was like, you need to scream. Like, I literally can't hear you at all. It seemed like there was a lot of technical issues this race between that, Charles with his car issues. I think someone's seat was broken. Lewis? Lewis's, Lewis's seat, was, seat broken. was broken. Yeah. There was something going on with Alex's car. <laughs> There's been a lot of funny memes of, like, and this is the pinnacle of motorsport. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it it was definitely a boring race overall in terms of the results, but if we were able to get more of an insight on all of the technical difficulties, I think it would have made for a very good first race. One driver that really impressed me though was Joe Guan Yu. Essentially, like he was starting from 17th position, and at one point, like I think it was lap 22, where he was battling for 10th with Yugi. And ultimately, like by the end of the race, he got 11th position. I think that's excellent, especially between like Botas and like Joe. You're like, oh, holy crap, like maybe this, like maybe Steak, Kick Sauber really do have a good contending car. I, I don't know. Like I was definitely very impressed by Joe. And I think if it wasn't for Carlos, I would have voted to have like for Joe to be the driver of the day because he was hustling. Yeah. I think Joe is just an underrated driver in general. No one ever talks about him, but he's like kind of always slaying. Yeah. Yeah. Fashion, driving skills. He seems pretty calm as well, like over the radio, whenever we are able to listen in on him. It just seems like he has a really good head on his shoulders. Did you have any other drivers you wrote down that like impressed you during the race? Yeah, the other person that I was impressed by was George because on top of the technical issues, I think he was dealing with like a power unit issue. He was still like really pushing as he could, battling it out with Charles. Unfortunately, it like didn't lead um, too far, but it was really nice to kind of see that battle between Charles and George and be able to see like something a little bit more exciting than the second lead that Verstappen had. Yeah, for sure. I was impressed with George as well. But other than that, I think that is all I had for the Bahrain recap. Okay, so you know what we have to do is go through and see if we can check anything off our bingo board. I think we actually could check off like four things this week, which is so interesting. I'm like, are we going to need another bingo board? Carlos Sainz villain era. I don't know if I'm fully ready to say let's check that off. I think we're seeing the hints of it, but Mm -hmm. I feel like we need to see it in the race or get pole position for me to feel fully comfortable checking off the Carlos Sainz Villanera. 
Same. I have um, the itch, but I didn't yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Beef between drivers. We can go ahead, I think, and cross <laughs> off with the Daniel and Yuki situation. Petty radio messages. Thank you, Yuki. You gave us a bingo. <laughs> a bingo point. Lewis and Charles content. We got that this morning on the driver's parade. Yeah. And... I think, oh, max 10 plus second lead. We could already cross that one off. <laughs> Amazing. So we big board, guys. Um, or I guess we can continue to check them off, like put a bunch of little X's every time it happens or something. But that's a good amount of our bingo board. Already checked off in race one. So I don't know if we're just phenomenal at predictions or <laughs> if these were not good choices. <laughs> Follow along <laughs> as we try to continue our bingo board. We will be eager to see how our bingo card continues throughout the season and excited for our doubleheader with a race coming right on up next week in Saudi Arabia. And then after that, everybody get your your glasses ready, get your Kindle ready, get your trip to the library ready, because we will be continuing our book series with Wrecked by Lauren Asher. I am so excited. I am also super happy to watch this season with you and the rest of you guys all of our listeners and everyone that kind of interacts with our content it has been a really joyful experience especially as we (laughs) jump into this season with a max win yes you know i think we should start taking bets also on if i just give up and become a max fan you know what? You could. We could. You can start with a Red Bull hat and hopefully your luck will, or should I say your bad luck, will transfer yeah. to Max because it certainly transferred to Logan this race. That's so true. That's so true. Well, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good talking to you guys. We will talk to you all in the next race. Over now. Bye. Bye, F1 world. No, not yet, not yet. Oh no, I'm saying like bye for today.